I was not in the WNBA. I, I got cut from the Chicago Sky. Um, that's a whole nother podcast, Jeremy. So. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Beat Talks podcast. I'm your host, DJ Ruscha, the official DJ for the Los Angeles Lakers and AVP Pro Beach Volleyball Tour. On this week's podcast, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with my good friend, DJ Shauna. Shauna is the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks, but she is so much more, and you'll learn that on this podcast. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with DJ Shauna. So what are you doing to stay busy? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I guess maybe what am I not doing is a better question. I've, I've read the book I uh, published to some kids on my Facebook Live. I found a way to... DJ virtual dance parties legally without worrying about getting shut down due to copyright laws and licensing. Um, uh, working out has been clutch, honestly, and trying to eat well and get outside safely once a day. What have, what have you been doing? None of the things that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely working, you know, home at home workouts, uh, as best we can and yeah. uh, you know if the weather's nice usually at least uh once around the neighborhood walk every day as long as we can um, yeah i haven't done any of the virtual dj sets yet but i have been enjoying watching everybody else do it and letting everybody else be my uh guinea pigs guinea to pigs. see who gets taken yeah. down and who doesn't <laughs> get taken down because that seems to be a big issue right now it's anything on facebook live gets taken down but the way that you're doing it is unique because you are on facebook live but it that video is muted, but then there's yeah. another link to hear the audio. How did you figure that out? Trial and error, um, determination, peer resiliency, and um, wanting to find a way to still feel like I could do something that made me really happy and playing music makes me really happy. Um, so it's not ideal, but I think you and I have had other conversations that it, I think it's great for what we can do given our everybody's current circumstances. I did try early on in quarantine, um, Facebook live, but I got a couple of flags and for me and who I want to be as a DJ and my brand, I wanted to say that I was going to DJ and know that my, I could DJ from three 30 to 5 PM and guarantee that, um, and not be like, well, I got taken down or I got muted. So, um, brainstorm like i said trial and error trying to find ways around i learned a lot about copyright laws and licensing and how difficult it is to be a dj and purchase that as an individual uh rightfully so i understand completely um uh, it doesn't mean i agree with it but i understand it um so i'm grateful i have a friend um andrew that owns his own radio station and it uh coincidentally just got picked up by iheart a couple months ago and so he literally like lets me stream in a live set. And so audio has been clear, flawless, and we get really incredible stats, which is really fun to see where people are listening from, how many people are tuning in, how often they're listening, all that fun stuff. Um, so yeah, there's a delay to the Facebook video and then another delay to the audio. But um, again, like I said, it's not ideal, but it's, we're getting it done and it makes me happy. And even if one person like just says like, thanks, or you made my night and I don't do it for that, but it adds value to my day and makes me feel like I'm maybe doing something right. Look, we've all said this before. Like I'm not saving lives being a DJ in general, yeah. 
but right. music does help. And if we can help people with that a little bit, even if it's just one person a day, then I don't, then I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I've, yeah. You and I are usually on the same page with a lot of things and I agree. Um, I'm learning a lot about how boring it must be to watch me DJ. So, <laughs> like, very humbling experience. To, I know my strengths and my weaknesses. And uh, yeah, so welcome well, to the, the world. The thing <laughs> with DJing though is because of the equipment we have and with the skills that a lot of us have, we can make it look easy. Thanks. Like I can DJ a full <laughs> two hour set with touching just a few things and it doesn't look like I'm doing anything, but yet I've done yeah. a lot, but the average listener wouldn't know all the things that you do. So it's hard to, I fight the, I don't want to fake like I'm touching knobs that don't do anything or putting my hands in the air for no reason. But I also like, you know, there's only so much I can do. I'm not going to yeah. fake scratch on video, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you. It's inspiring though to, you know, like you said, I've watched more DJ sets in the last three weeks and some of, you know, and, and everybody has their own thing. And it's, I think if I could be very candid with you, which I always am, I've learned that, um, I'm not as bad of a DJ as I thought I was honest, like in comparison and that it's been, it's been humbling to watch some, you know, some DJs come out here and do some things and I'm like, wow, like that is incredible as not in my repertoire. That's not in my game. It doesn't mean that it can't be. And then there's other, other DJs where I'm like, all right, like, I think I can, I'm actually better than I thought it was. Cause I've had, we've talked about this on personal conversations. Like I've had, um, reservations about my skills and what I can do and what I know I can't do. And, um, it's, it's incredible though, to see how many DJs are trying, you know, to, to put content out. And I think that's like you said, it adds value because this is what we're doing right now is trying to entertain ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And I think that the term DJ is so broad. Now I watched the DJ set yesterday and I use the term DJ loosely. They had a controller and they were literally just hitting buttons to blend the songs together in an Ableton set. But if you close your eyes, you wouldn't know it was any different than just another DJ blending songs together at like a club. You'd have no idea. So, you know, people's everybody's skills. I watched a track yesterday and he's doing things that if I practice for 10 years, I would still not be able to do. So it, I, it's fine. Those <laughs> things are okay. You know, no one's yeah. going to be able to be uh, mix master Mike tomorrow, but right. there's just so many different ways to do it. Um, have you caught any of the little John uh, T pain? I saw some highlights of these beat battles going back and forth. It started with uh, Timberland and Swiss Beats, and then yeah. uh, I saw Manny Fresh and um, Scott Storch a little bit. Yeah. And there's just so many songs that I forget about. Th that's been a you know a silver lining for me during all this is going through music on my DJ laptop when I don't feel motivated to do other stuff, and then coming across songs. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to play that all the time, and put it into a folder to be like, hey, maybe sneak this back in every once in a while. So that has been fun. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning for you. How did you get into DJing? Oof. Uh, short answer, and this sounds silly, I've never drank alcohol in my life. <laughs> and that, that's, that's frankly how and why I got into it. I was, it was after I've been DJing for 15 or 16 years now in some capacity. I think I would say safely, I could say full time for eight years. Um, but I, after undergrad, so I played basketball at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I'm a Badger. And after undergrad, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, 
I was chasing a dream to play professional basketball and I was trying to find my way in this world. Um, I was hanging out with my peers and as most, what, 21, 22 year olds do, they go to bars and clubs and we were at a local place in Milwaukee pretty regularly. And I played all the sports at the bar sponsored. I played, you know, flag football and basketball and ultimate Frisbee and softball, like you name it. Like, and then I, like part of the gig was that then you had to go back to the bar because they essentially just paid for you really like to play this game, right? Like they mm-hmm. sponsored the t-shirt so that I could play in this game. And I realized that people got really uncomfortable when I didn't have anything in my hands. And even if it was a glass of water. And so on Saturday nights, I started hanging out with our resident DJ. And I just remember sitting there for weeks and just watching him. I didn't know what I was watching, but I was watching him. And one day he just looked at me and he literally was in the middle of now what I know is a transition. He was like scratching, beat juggling a little bit. And he looks at me, he's like, are you a DJ? I shook my head. No, I didn't even say anything. And he finishes the transition, does something, you know, like pulls up another record. That's how old I am. He had pulled out another record. Welcome to the and, club, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. And then he's like, do you want to be? And I shrugged. And he, you know, does another transition and looks at me again two minutes later. And he's like, well, call me when you get two turntables and a mixer. And I called him the next day. And that was how I started DJing. And I would just, Where I started, did you go to get two turntables and a mixer the night after you're at a bar? It was Sunday. So that was Saturday. So Sunday I, I uh, hopped on the interweb. And in Milwaukee at the time, we had this place called Trounce and uh t-r-o-u-n-c-e and it was like downtown here off the freeway um and that unbeknownst to me was like the place to go um there weren't a lot of places that you could like like where you get turntables and a mixer like dj gear and that like populated at the time and whatever search i like had and uh went down and literally i i got i don't even remember the kind of turntables i got i know they weren't technics and I know my mixer was, it was a four channel mixer and it was whatever the guy like told me to get. And I was like, I'm starting out and this is literally like, here you go. Um, and that's how I started. I, yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah what, what I know about you and what I hope other people know about you too, is you are a person that if you put your mind to it, you're going to make it happen. So the fact that less than 24 hours after a DJ said, Hey, I'll teach you how to DJ once you get equipment. I have, I would love to talk to that DJ cause I would be curious if he, what he had in his mind, how long it would take for you. You probably called him the next day. I'm like, okay, I have my stuff. Let's do this. I did. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I did. Um, I would love not to be Debbie Downer. I would love to have a conversation with him too. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Hmm. Um, but he was an incredible friend and mentor for the first two years of when I first started DJing. And I'll be, I'm always honest. It, I literally was only on Saturday nights with him. And it hmm. was, it's a place I still DJ on. Saturday nights um, when we don't have Bucks games and it's a, it's a tiny little bar. Like it's a neighborhood bar and it's, it's, it's perfect. Like it's everything it is and you love it for what it is. But I was carrying his crates in and I was, I was setting everything up and I was in an apprenticeship without knowing it. Mm -hmm. And I learned everything. And once I got comfortable, like we would go back to his place after bar closed and he would hand me two records literally for hours until like he would play with the fader or in the in the pitch and just and i'd have to beat match mm-hmm. and that was it and he'd fall asleep and when he would wake up it was when i got it right and it was it's the craziest thing i'm like pavlov's dog 
but um, it was, like I said, I just loved it. I've always been infatuated with like hip hop culture. And when you look at turntables and all these buttons, you're like, I want to do that. Like, that looks cool. That was it. Yeah. So I got to open, a, like, I guess you could say open. I say open very, very loosely because it's, again, a bar that sometimes there's three people on a Saturday night and sometimes there's a line out the door. Mm-hmm. You can't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But um, yeah, so he would have me like set up and I don't know where he would go, but he would go somewhere and I would DJ for like an hour <laughs> and then he'd come back and take over and finish out the night and I would watch and just learn. And it was, and then I'd break all his gear down and make sure he got home safely. I love that you got into DJing to avoid drinking. Cause a lot of DJs <laughs> I know got into it for the complete opposite reason of that. Yeah. And that was something I learned later on. It was a, a little eye opening to me when I started then like learning and meeting other DJs and no, judgment or disrespect mm-hmm. because i've never drank alcohol i'm so naive to it no matter how old i am mm-hmm. um i was like you can have a job and get drunk while you're working <laughs> yes yeah well, sometimes that's not a requirement of the job but sometimes that yeah you know, there are locations where they look at you weird like oh you're not gonna have a drink right and i'm like no i'd actually rather be focused while i'm working for you as opposed to hammered but again it's not a judgment thing it's a preference thing for you and for me as well right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you started out that bar eight ish yeah. years ago and then fast was- forward to today you're now the bucks official dj and this is your first season and sorry that yeah. our season is not going according to plan currently it's all right um it's not your fault Jared. it is definitely not as far as i know it's not my fault i can't guarantee <laughs> um but take me through that process of how you go from djing at a bar for three people to now being the bucks official dj that's a, a great question i appreciate that and that's a so i started at the pint 15 years ago i think i've been full-time for eight years oh got it so um just from a timeline standpoint because then i don't want the math to be off like, yep. it won't make sense then yeah but so eight years ago, I finished playing professional basketball and I had hopes of continuing to play professional basketball. And professional, and, you were overseas, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was not in the WNBA. I, I got cut from the Chicago Sky. Um, that's a whole nother podcast, Jeremy. So. Wait, I, I, that's actually something I didn't know. So I look forward yeah. to uh, yeah. that one. Day. Um, yeah, so I, w- I was overseas and I came home with hopes to play. I had a contract fall through. And so while all I was doing was working out and I was training basketball players, like doing on-the-court skill development and such, and I would then go and DJ at night. And I like opened my eyes one day and I realized it's been probably like nine months and a contract hasn't another contract hasn't come up. And now I'm DJing four to six nights a week in bars and clubs in Milwaukee. And that pattern kind of went on um, – for like three to four years. And after that, that's when I kind of opened my eyes and I actually found you. I'll be very honest on Instagram. Mm. I started wondering what else was out there. Um, Again, no disrespect to bars and clubs, but I just, I wanted something different and I wanted to see if there had to be something else. Cause it was, I was coming home every night feeling empty and, um, it felt like I was doing, it was like Groundhog's Day. I was doing the same thing every mm-hmm. night in a different place, but almost for like the different, the same people, same music. And I was, I felt like in a creative slump. I felt like I just, I wasn't growing. Um, so somehow I honestly, I think that's when I came across like you on Instagram. I started following you. 
Um, you talk about A-Track. Like I started following all these DJs that were doing things that were inspiring. Like traveling's always been inspiring to me. How can I find a way to travel and work, make some money, like see the country, much less see the, the world. Basketball had really instilled that in me. And that's when I had my eyes sort of open to live entertainment. So long story longer, I hounded my friend that was at the time Marquette women's basketball head coach. And I was looking at places I learned there's DJs in the NBA. There's DJs here. There's DJs here. And I'm never anybody to like think that I can take somebody's job. And so they didn't have a DJ. And I was like, you need a DJ. Like the Bucks have a DJ. Like, like everywhere has a DJ. You need a DJ, right? Like you're in my backyard. You're four blocks away. Like you need a DJ. And that took some time. Finally, she called me. She's like, we need a DJ. (laughs) So that's how it started in live entertainment. And coincidentally that year, four years ago, the Milwaukee Bucks called me and they wanted to add DJs in venue to support, I guess, everything else that was happening, add value to um, fan experience. And so I had like seven games four years ago where I was in the concourse and you know, doing what we do up like until tip off. And this was at the time we were in the Bradley center before we have Fiserv. Um, so kind of fast forward through live entertainment. I Marquette women's basketball. I got to do the biggest women's tournament that year that they hosted. I cold called the NCAA and asked them if they needed a DJ at the women's final four. And they told me if I could get to Dallas that year, two weeks before the tournament that they would give me a job. And I did. And so I've been with the women's final four as the official DJ and host now for four years, which would, this would have been my fourth season our fourth tournament in new Orleans. And then I got hired back at my alma mater to take over for Wisconsin football, men's and women's basketball. I've since gotten to do the women's um, big East basketball tournament and uh, just got to do the PAC 12 women's basketball tournament. And then the Bucks called and they wanted to know if I wanted to become the official DJ for the Bucks. And so that's how I got here. I'm exhausted (laughs) thinking about all of your gigs all of a sudden. Um, It's an impressive story because again, what, what I know about you is you were somebody that if you want to do something, you'll try to find ways to do it and not in a way of I'm going to take somebody's job, but you knew at Marquette, like, Hey, all these other places have DJs and they don't, you need one, I'll be that for you. And then that's turned into what it is now, where, as you know, I've had people contact me similar to when you contact me on social media, but the way they asked me, it sounded basically like, how do I get your job? And by your job, I mean, specifically, how do I get the job with the Lakers that you have right now and can get you out of that? As opposed to you, where you contact and you're like, Hey, I want to learn from this so I can start doing things similar to that as well. Um, And I hope that's a lesson that people get from listening to this podcast because you are that person thank you thanks and i i i uh i know you're not gonna like this but i wouldn't be be here without um i think it took maybe a year and a half for us to like i would say become friends and that's no like i followed you i remember you know we would just i would message i'd watch what you're doing i'd you Mm -hmm. know send you 100 or whatever like you know (laughs) respond to things and but it was it was incredible to have someone like you to just watch. And I didn't know you like I know you now, but you, and I don't know if you knew this, but you had a blueprint and that you were putting it out there, you know, and I was learning, I was networking through you Mm -hmm. and I'll be very candid with that. You know, like I would wait for you to post something with the AVP and see like, well, 
like who is he with and you know and just learning and just learning and I learned so much from just watching and um and you know we finally got to meet up I think in Chicago was the first time for AVP two summers ago Mm -hmm. was the first time we got to to meet up and that was incredible and then to come into the booth this year in Chicago and like watch what you're doing and I love the AVP now. And like, like, it's really, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I feel fortunate to, to be in your corner. And I tell you that all the time. So thank you. Well, and I appreciate that. And you, you went about it the right way, right? Like you're learning, you're networking. I think the first time we talked, you just asked for a little bit of advice and that was it. There was nothing after that. Like, Hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? It was just like, I just want to be in your network and maybe one day we can work together or something works out, blah, blah, blah. And again, like I noticed that you were the type of person that you weren't just looking for me because there's no blueprint because how you became the DJ for the Bucks is different than how I became the DJ for the Lakers, right? There's no, hey, if you go to school for this, you find this ad on Craigslist, all of a sudden you're a DJ for a major sports team. There's no, I'm sure everybody's (laughs) story is completely different, right? So, but there are right ways to go about it and you, you've gone about it the right way so far, I think. Well, thank you for thinking so. I feel lucky. I really do. And uh, it's, it's, it really is an honor, honestly, to be uh, um, you know, in the NBA, to have, have done these things. And it's humbling. Like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's cool. It's really cool. And with this being your first season as the official in-arena DJ for the Bucks, I know you were on the concourse for a few years and obviously knew the people that did the music before. But what did you learn or what have you learned now? that you're DJing the actual games themselves and being in the arena that you didn't know prior besides how much work it, work it takes. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's a, that's the answer. And I remember, um, and I think our, we had a, an open scrimmage. It wasn't even a preseason game, but we were at the arena. I think it was a free event. Um, and it wasn't, you know, unbeknownst to me, it wasn't anything, it was formal, but it wasn't formal, formal, mm. right? If that makes sense. And I remember even, so I DJ off of two laptops. So I do all the in, in-game prompts as well as then all the timeouts as well as pre-game and player uh, warm-ups, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so um, DJing off of two laptops was an adjustment for me right away. And the in-game prompts, obviously, that was something I, I frankly had never done um, because it, it's not a, it was, it's not a rule right now. Well, it wasn't at the time in the NCAA. Um, women's basketball has since like changed that on a dead ball out of bounds, but it wasn't something that was like in my wheelhouse. And that was an adjustment. And I remember looking um, at Johnny Watson, our, you know, my, my main, main guy for the bucks, uh, that I'm sure game entertainment of, director, like, yeah. or whatever his technical yeah. title is, but something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah. The Johnny Watson yep. and, um, and looking at him and he's like, how do you feel? And I, I literally looked at him. I was like, this is a, in my exact words. I think I'm going to paraphrase where you, I was like, this is a lot of content. <laughs> and I think that's just how I felt was, I don't think I, at a game I'd ever played that much music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like you said, that was eye opening for me. Um, and this is only my first season. I haven't gotten to finish it. <laughs> like, that is, like, and who knows if we're good to be able to, I don't know. Right. Um, and so that was something that I learned real quick 
when we got into actual games was how much content there was and prep work for me um, in the, in the span of four hours, frankly, when we would get uh, what we call our production schedule or, you know, if you want to call it a rundown or Mm -hmm. script, however you want to refer to it, excuse me, um, to, to look at that and have content that is applicable and makes sense, you know, for timeouts and promotions and, make sure then I have up-to-date music for pregame and players and all that stuff. And then you just look at like the amount of music you're putting and preparing. It's, it's crazy. And the misconception that a lot of people have is that it's how much work that goes in before you even get to the arena. Like you have to cue the songs up to specific points of the song. Cause if you are searching for a song at a yeah. moment in a game, you're already lost the moment. You can't be searching it has to already be there. Yeah. So yeah. you said you're using two laptops. What um, what programs are on each laptop? One, I assume, is I think you use Tractor, correct? I am. I am a Tractor DJ. That's mm-hmm. the stigma I fought for a very long time in in the city in the circle of DJs. Unfortunately, that I've been in um, because it's weird that's to me, how, that's a stigma. Like a, whatever. Anyway, so well, because it's for the longest time. It's don't be sorry. Um, you know, I've had conversations about this. I mm-hmm. uh, because I was a Tractor DJ, and before it would. Um, it had a, a sound card compatible with like a, a, a club industry standard mixer. Um, I was a controller DJ and mm-hmm. uh, I felt like I was inadequate and I allowed myself coincidentally, I DJ NBA games off a controller, mm-hmm. uh, in game pregame. I use, uh, my CDJs and I'm on the court for that. But on my laptops to answer your question, I have tractor on my DJ laptop. And then what I refer to as our game ops laptop is um sound director and sound director is um you have audio clips that you can just trigger at any moment is that what that is yeah so it's a laptop that i utilize um like the trackpad i don't have a mouse i utilize the trackpad and Mm -hmm. i have i have organized it um in in the way that it makes sense to me and so i have in-game beats or beds um uh defensive prompts offensive prompts if you will um like Giannis's score track when he scores or does like an amazing Giannis mvp type thing which a is song a that, yeah which a, a song he's like he wants to hear um uh the free throw sound effects all of the the yeah the, that that comes off of those that laptop well i have a listener question for you that i asked really? people ask me about it yeah uh, a good friend of mine his name is jay fingers also known as joel he's the guy that actually does all the in-game I, prompts for the lakers i know uh, i follow where, him on social yes where you actually do all of that you do more at a bucks game than i do at a lakers game but joel is curious um do you make any of your own prompts i personally do not and uh that's hard for me to admit i hate admitting um being, it makes me feel vulnerable, but I'm learning on the production side. It's something that I, I'm really interested in because mm-hmm. I think a lot of, I'm sure a lot of DJs and music directors, we, a lot of us do very similar things, right? But very when I so. come to a Laker game, obviously, because you have J fingers, that sounds so much different than a Bucks game. And that's yep. incredible. And that's what makes that a Laker game. And so trying to find and define what the a Bucks game sounds like is something that I want to be able to bring to the table. And so that's something, the production side of the prompt is something I'm really intrigued and curious about. Well, don't beat yourself up. Not everybody makes their own prompts. So don't, uh, don't feel bad about that. And Thanks. then he had another question was the ratio between beats and prompts. So beats, 
for those that aren't aware of like instrumental tracks. Cause in the NBA, when the home team is on offense, you can't play anything with lyrics other than like a let's go type prompt. So we all play instrumental beats. And then, so what is your ratio or how do you determine if this possession, I'm going to play a beat or this possession, I'm going to play a let's go bucks prompt. That's a great question. Um, and the, I guess full disclosure and not even having a full NBA season under my still something that we were trying to figure out mm-hmm. um and we being sort of our game ops team game entertainment and um it went we i'll be very, very frank we kind of swayed we started pretty heavy on the prompt side at the beginning of the season and frankly i think i think it changed when we started to do really really well the bucks were having a really great season. And so all of a sudden we would literally be up 30 points mm-hmm. and, and, and that too would sway the other way. Like all of a sudden we'd be up 30 at half and we'd like it come back and be a game in the fourth. So um, I don't know if I can give him or you an actual ratio that I could stick by every single mm-hmm. game because it was so dependent upon for me coming back to being a point guard is what I assimilated with. It was like the flow of the game and under what I understand basketball and as a point guard and watching things and trying to think like, what would I want to hear right now? Or what would I need right now? Um, so I've, I think I err on the side and saying more beats than prompts, but mm-hmm. prompts when needed. And I don't That's think not there's a ratio though. Correct. It's, it's not. And I also don't think there's a, <laughs> this is exactly how it should be done. Cause it is feel. Um, Cause if you're down 30 with mm-hmm. two minutes to go in the game, if you start playing a defensive prompt to me personally, that makes no sense because you're not going to come back and win the game. If you're down 30 with two minutes left to go in the game. Right. Um, so then there's just certain things that are just feel. And um, I used to do all of this prior to being with the Lakers. Like I did everything that you're doing now and all of my, do, are we going to do a defensive chant or we gonna do an offensive chance? Just be beat was all just feel. And eventually like mm-hmm. rhythms, you get into rhythms of that stuff. And then reading the crowd, like you'll know when the crowd wants to, okay, they want to get up and cheer or they want to get up and yell. Yep. Like those things kind of present themselves after you've done it for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think there's a necessarily formulaic way to do it. I may have just made up a word. i think you're allowed to do that in quarantine perfect all all words are made up anyway so what does it matter (laughs) so what is it like you are one of the if i'm correct three or four female djs in the nba i believe the bucks dallas mavericks the wizards if i'm correct on that and is there another team i'm missing I don't think so. I think it's the three of us. So DJ Heat, Ivy, and myself. And I I think the world of those two women mm-hmm. ridiculously. Um, I haven't met Heat in person yet, but she has been on my podcast. Awesome. And Ivy has Milwaukee ties. And um, it just it's crazy how small the world is. And it's it's something. It's something, right? Like it's it's you say it. Um I, well, it's I don't a, know. It's a male-dominated industry for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, it's the same with coaching. It's something that I care about, though. Mm-hmm. I think like I'm proud of who I am. I. It, but for me, I. I think it's incredible, and I like. I don't even, frankly, realize it sometimes until I have had a parent say that their daughter. She, 
they're like, this is so cool for her to see. And that makes my heart really happy, you mm -hmm. know, like, and I, I think that's incredible. Um, I grew up playing on the playgrounds with, with guys. And so for me, um, it's just always sort of been that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think it's incredible, but it, yeah, it's a, it's, it's there and it's something and it's something to be proud of too. And I think Ivy, has, you know, has really paved the way for all of us and what she's doing as a human is just mm -hmm. inspiring. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool. Um, again, another person that I feel fortunate to like be able to call and text and watch and like what she's done with her name and her brand and what, you know, the Mavs have done utilizing what she, like who she is. It's just, it's really cool and it's inspiring. So I feel lucky. Well, I do think that, uh, like anything, right? If you see somebody that looks like you, acts like you, doing a job that you've only seen the complete op opposite of people doing before, it can be inspiring. Like you said, like I didn't know I could, I didn't know sports DJing was a thing until yeah. somebody asked me about it. I didn't know DJing I could DJ full time. Never even crossed my mind that that would be a career until a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, you want to help me out with the DJ gig?" So, like you, for example, like who knows how many young female DJs you will inspire coming up just based on the fact that they see that you're doing it. it, it it's humbling. And that's kind of, you know, when, you know, I always joke with people when you know that there are DJs, then you're going to see and hear us everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're going to like when we can go back out into the real world, you'll walk into Victoria's secret and you see a DJ, like you go to Nordstrom's, yeah. there's a DJ, there's, you know, there's a DJ at like on the corner over there, like, whatever. So we're everywhere. Um, and I think that's, what's been really fun. I think I would say in the, I would say safely in the last two to three years. And I don't know if it's social media or what it is, but I love seeing how many people want to DJ different mm -hmm. kinds of people. And that's what, I mean, it, to me, that's the epitome. That's music because music is all different kinds of people. Um, I, I think it's an incredible, powerful thing to like put, like I push play at camp Randall for badger football for jump around and eighty thousand people jump around like that's i powerful. believe that's on your instagram page that we will plug for sure but if you haven't yeah. seen that, people need to go <laughs> like i got goosebumps watching it because I, I know what that feeling is like for you and it was, it's pretty incredible it, yeah and it, i think too i think if, if you would love it right like you're mm -hmm. not a badger and you would love it of course i think selfishly for me being a badger being a former basketball at like Badger player, it's even that much more special. Of course. That, like I get like, I get like ghost on like in the headset. Yeah. You're like, yes, <laughs> literally. And that's all that's it is. All I push one button. Say. Yeah. That's, I've been waiting for it. you to say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and were you in like a harness or something like a safety oh, situation? Dude. Yeah. It was a safety situation. Yeah. Like were you um, hanging from the top of the building? Like I was, I meant to ask you about that, but I forgot about it. So this is perfect. It looked like you were strapped into the DJ booth. I was. And so, eh, I mean, so now put football season and you're in the state of Wisconsin. So I can, I can tell you, I, for Badger game days, I think I'm outside for like six hours. Yeah. And uh, so talk about like, not only is my equipment out there, but I'm out there. Like it's it's an open stadium, so and it's in not Wisconsin where I've seen you post photos where it was snowing at your event. Hundred percent. Like there's a jump around video where my CDJs have bags over them because 
it was suggested that I stay outside as long as possible. <laughs> before you freeze to death? <laughs> before, well, or before it rains to where oh, I had to bring man. my equipment inside. So um, I don't remember what the question was. Oh, uh, the harness strapped while in. You were strapped yeah. in. Yeah. So the first season that I was with Badger, I was in, it kind of happened real quick and we all did our best. And I was in, frankly, a terrible spot. I was under the scoreboard on a roof that was only accessible to um, police and firefighters. <laughs> and now so, DJs. Yeah, and now DJs. So then they moved me this season. So I was right above actually like our, our band tunnel, which was really cool. So I was mm-hmm. right in the middle of the student section. But again, um, with it being kind of new to Wisconsin football, we didn't know all the codes. And so come like the fire inspector comes and apparently part of the rules because some of the posts or the guardrails were only so high. I literally had to wear like this yellow. So Wisconsin Badger colors are red and white. So I'm, so I'm in all, I'm decked out in all red and white Badger gear. So it's hard not to see this like yellow safety harness that looks Mm -hmm. like I jumped out of an airplane. So it literally, it's, it was like legs in, arms in strap around my waist strap around my chest type deal like i just put on a parachute Mm -hmm. and then it was a chain to the the cement wall behind me because somehow the safety issue was that somehow literally there was probably a three inch gap on the ground underneath my dj the, the booth that i had and then between that and like this canvas um cover that covered the tunnel that where the band came out three mm-hmm. inches that they were worried I would fall through not knowing that when you're DJing you're literally staying in the DJ booth maybe moving a half an inch to the left a half an inch to the right and that's about it yeah, yeah. that's exactly it it's like taking oh. the ball out of bounds I stand right there <laughs> exactly safety first at Wisconsin so uh congratulations to Wisconsin safety first I'm glad you yeah. care about people that's very nice of you yeah um you said uh, Wisconsin, you're there for like six hours for a Bucks game. I'm always curious with other DJs, what is a typical day like for you for a Bucks game? And I think for Bucks, you guys tip off at seven normally. Is that correct? Seven p.m. Yep, so seven is normal for and Central Time um, for a home game. So for me, I usually get. I like to be inside the arena by like one forty-five, no later than two. And then, um, I, ha- I set up two DJ booths. So I bring my own, my own gear in. I set up my encore on court booth, which is for player warmups and pregame. And then I have a booth that is in the stands. It's actually, it's behind our, um, the visitors hoop in like the 32nd row. And so I go and set up a booth up there and that's my in game. Um, like as I, I make it up there for usually visitors intros and then I'm there until the end of the game. So I set up and then, and that frankly takes me about two hours. And then we have a team meeting at four o'clock for a seven o'clock game. And at four o'clock, I actually start, um, a mix that I make that's specifically just it's players music. Um, so that, uh, usually where the trend was going, it, we did, we would have, uh, guys for the bucks that weren't playing that day go through their workouts as well as the same thing would happen for the, the visitors, um, or, you know, whatever it's, the court was open, so we needed music. So I was in a meeting from four and four, thir- four till four thirty, 
um, get back out on the court and I start right away after that meeting from four thirty until the end of the game. What time um, during that is the for Lakers games? We have VIP doors for a seven thirty game. We have VIP doors at five thirty, so some of the general public can come in at five thirty for a seven thirty tip off, but they don't open the main doors until six p.m. At what time are the fans coming into the arena for the Bucks? Typically, it's an hour and a half before, so at, doors are at five thirty. So then um, when you start DJing on the court after your meeting, it's just for the players at that point. Yeah. Until, um, yeah, until doors open and then we sort of start what we refer to as our show. So, Mm -hmm. um, things at Bucks games are, I think, pretty packed with, with stuff. And, um, we, we go into promotions and games and we, yeah, like we're all over the, over the place. And so that was usually an hour and a half before. And then I guess quick, that it's crazy to think like how quick that would go by. Um, and then we're into the game, which is like a whole nother show. <laughs> well, here's my, this is the uh, question that everybody's going to want to know. Cause I had this issue a few games ago recently with the Lakers. I usually have a pregame routine where I use the restroom before I stand in my DJ booth for four straight hours. Uh, but this time I did not. <laughs> and we didn't go to overtime, but it was the longest regular season game of the year. And I was in like pain by the end of the game. When, because you were DJing from, you know, four o'clock till or four thirty till whenever the end of the game is, when do you have a chance to potentially use the restroom? Because once the game starts, you were doing everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great question, Jeremy. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> um, Look, people want to know when the DJs go to the restroom. I know. Yeah. Cause we get it. I know. So, um, yeah, Badger football had taught me, although football is different. Like I could, I, I had a band at halftime, right. That mm-hmm. played for 20 minutes. So, mm-hmm. um, so for bucks games, I go, I use the bathroom after the, the four o'clock meeting. So I hop in at four thirty. It's crazy how you can train your body to be 100%. Like, and so again, like, you know, like really routine. Um, and so 4.30, sometimes I get lucky when we have what we call Bucks bands. So we have a promotion. I don't know how it works, but we sometimes have um, high school bands mm-hmm. um, that come in and they will play very early on in the beginning of Doors Open. And they some, they get around like, I, I want to safely say, eight minutes it could be like 10 to 15 mm-hmm. where they get to play so i get that i get a chunk when that when when we do have a bend which isn't always guaranteed every game but i get to use the bathroom then so then an hour and a half before game or tip off but then uh that's it for me got it if I was better this interview thing yeah. i probably would have worded it as oh when do you get a break as opposed to using the restroom but you know we're just gonna keep it real on on no, this one that, because it's a legit that, it's a legit question because I dare anybody else to that has a normal nine to five job to think about, Hey, you can't leave your desk for four straight hours. Yeah. And let me yeah, know how it, that works out for you. <laughs> well, it, I mean, I could go into depth for me and I'd be curious actually to hear this on how everyone else answers, but I stop eating and drinking at a certain time in the day mm. and then I won't start again. We had, I think we had, yeah, we had one overtime game um, this year. But, um, and that was that it gets, it gets difficult. 
like it's sometimes a, a mental toughness check for me. Well, it's I think the that's the, thing. yeah. Like if you, the mental side of it, right? Like with a, especially DJing sports, you're constantly, or DJing in general, you're constantly thinking what's coming up next. If you're DJing a club, maybe you have one and a half to two minutes before you have to do the next song, but that's a mental thing that's constantly going over and over and over again. Where at a sporting event, you are reacting to what's happening on the court. So you always have to be mentally in the moment which is mm-hmm. hard to stay focused for that long. Um, are there any things that you do to train for something like that? I've, I'm curious about how people do that other than just like, this is what I have to do. So this is how it's going to go. Um, I, again, I, in my minimal experience in, in the NBA, for me, I started to try to rely on my gut instincts as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, and not again, not saying I was the best basketball player in the world, but I get the game and mm-hmm. I love it and I, and I've studied it. And so to, to know the flow, I think has helped me a lot and to feel, I'm again, not comparing myself to the NBA, but to feel like I've actually, I've been there, mm-hmm. right? Like I've, I've played at a professional level. And so to understand the, like, again, the flow and, and there's times too that I've had to check myself where I have felt because my college brain, like DJing college basketball would be like, this is a place you need to call a timeout. Um, like 12 down 12 with two minutes to go in my head. That's something I'm still fighting to win. You're already calling timeout from the stand. You're like, coach timeout. Right. Right. But it's sometimes I've realized too things that I'm learning about the NBA where it's like, not that I want to say that they're thrown in the towel, but to me, it's a different, it's a different mindset. It's, Mm -hmm. and I think too, a lot of it is, um, they're professional athletes. They're not, they're not kids. Right. And so you have professional athletes out there who don't necessarily need you to call a timeout a for a break B to call a set or set up an, you know, like you can verbally convey that in three seconds and they can still go and try to catch that flow. So that's been a little bit of an adjustment, but, um, I think, yeah, it's just, it's come back to kind of trust in my gut. Yeah. And I think the more you can trust that, the more confident you'll be in the, because you know, the game, right? Like some, you, you'll get to the point where you could already be like, you'll anticipate the timeout before mm-hmm. the coach, my hand's already reaching for a button, knowing a timeout is coming before, you know, it's actually been a official. And I think probably most DJs in the NBA or even other sports are the same thing. You get to know the flow of the game and the personalities of your coaches yep. and, and the body movements of the, some of the players. Like if my eye is looking at a fan, but I see somebody dunk my, I know the body language of that player. So it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. that was Anthony Davis or that was whoever. Um, yeah. And those things all come with time. And, but it's fun though. Once you, you're calling a timeout for the coach as it's happening. You're like, oh, I, I could coach the team. This is so easy. <laughs> That's not true, everybody. It is not true. You can not coach professionals. So, um, yeah. But besides DJing sporting events, you have done some pretty cool things. And one of those is performing at Summerfest in Milwaukee. And Summerfest in Milwaukee markets itself as the biggest festival in the world with over 800,000 attendees in two weeks. If I'm, if I got all those stats, correct. Yeah. The world's largest music festival is literally in my backyard. That's awesome. Um, so um, it is, it, thank you. It, that, yeah, I, that, that thinking about that gig, I got the open for Lizzo last summer and, um, 
So the way Summerfest works, can I break it down for you? Please do. Is that cool? All right. So there's a general admission ticket to, I think, and maybe you're going to know this better because you've looked it up. It's 11 to 14 stages um, that are known as, quote, free stages. And I'm air quoting that. Um, So you pay the general admission fee of... I think it's under 30 bucks, like a $25, $27 mark to get into Summerfest, right? Now you can walk around. Last year, I walked around on free stages and I saw Nelly. Lizzo was on a free stage and they're all sponsored by somebody else. So there's a stage, there's a Harley stage, there's Clemens stage, like all of these major sponsors that pay for the stage, right? Um, whatever that entails. But so I opened for Lizzo on a free stage. And what that means, right? So anybody that's been to a festival understands when you like open the gates, it's free reign for seats, right? So first come, first serve, really. If you mm-hmm. so um again, talk about Wisconsin weather. Um I this un- happened to fall on probably one of the weirdest weather days we've ever had in summer in Milwaukee. So we're right on Lake Michigan and the Summerfest grounds are literally right on Lake Michigan. Like Mm -hmm. it it literally is on Lake Michigan. Um, And it was, I think forecasted to be like just terrible, like torrential downpour, like high winds, all this stuff. Summerfest is, is it goes on rain or shine. So it's been, I remember like when I was in high school, I went and saw uh, Goo Goo Dolls and I remember like running through and it was just like pouring rain, but the show still goes on. So like a lot of people won't go, but they'll still perform. It's contractually basically obligated. Right. And so, um, I didn't know what was going to happen because everybody then is like in our space saying like, this is the worst we've ever seen and we're getting all these updates. So, um, we actually got put in like a, a holding pattern outside in the artist's parking lot to even get in to Summerfest this day. And so I'm nervous as it is. I'm with what I call my team. So it was my girlfriend and my manager, Chad, and his girlfriend and my videographer, Gabby. So we're all in my, in my SUV and we're like just waiting to get in. And we can't, like they shut Summerfest down because I think it was essentially the the wind had gotten so bad mm-hmm. um and so the, it was quiet for the first time in like years at Summerfest. so we finally get let in and as live entertainment goes um i was originally scheduled for like a one hour dj set and so then they're like we don't even know if you're gonna get to go on maybe it's gonna be like 10 minutes and i was like whatever <sighs> like it's like yeah. it's you know like i get it like i just want to there's like, the I, mental grind yeah. of that behind the scenes that people don't realize yeah right um and things are changing it's like all right summerfest has given us a green light but the company that then rented the speakers has not yet given us the green light so like all of these like like tape you really have to like cut through mm-hmm. and so they let me go set my gear up so i am i'm under a stage and it's cold again so now it's cold like we're on the lake and we get the cold side of the wind i think chicago like michigan they they luck out on that side mm-hmm. and um there are people who have waited through this downpour and this wind for lizzo the entire day jeremy and Impressive. it's a it's a free stage and mm-hmm. I don't even know if you can put a capacity on it because there's bleachers, but then at some point it has to stop. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a walkway and, and when, when you DJ Summerfest, you'll get to see, I'll show you, right? Like when you, when you, when we get you to Milwaukee. That's right. Um, and so, but so there's no way for me as a novice to like look out there and be like, ah, oh, there's approximately 7,013 <laughs> people here, right? Like I have no clue. So I look up and it's packed. It is packed. No concept of how many packed is. And I step out there and people just go bonkers because all of a sudden they see action, right? Like, and they probably don't even know who I am. Like they're just, they just want some music because it's yeah. quiet. It's mm-hmm. awkward and it's quiet. And they're getting the same updates I am via Twitter. Like Summerfest is updating mm-hmm. everybody on Twitter, right? And um, so I go on stage, all my, my CDJs, everything's set up on stage. And I have no a concept of time either. Like I can't tell you that like three hours passed or three minutes. Like I mm-hmm. don't know the answer to that. We'll have to consult Molly, my girlfriend on this because she's better. That's why we That's why we keep, keep her around. around. <laughs> keep me honest. Yeah. To, don't worry, so she I don't won't embellish listen. things. She won't listen to this. She won't know that. She won't Nah, she has no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um and so I I finally get the green light and t- Summerfest said, All right, everybody's a go. And all of a sudden my dad like hits me and he's like, Do you hear that? And I'm like, I hear what? And I'm shaking because I'm nervous. And mm-hmm. this is the first time I'm on like a main stage at Summerfest, the world's largest music festival opening for Lizzo. And I start listening and I call them kids, but it wasn't just kids, but they were chanting my name. And I don't know how that happened. Like, because again, for me, the space I was in, to me, as somebody opening for an act like Lizzo in 2019, when she was, she was it, yep. was that it was my job to like warm everybody up, like literally, because they're mm-hmm. freezing cold because I stood mm-hmm. in the rain. Like, yeah, let's, exactly. let's get you moving. We're going to sing along to some Whitney Houston. We're going to play some salt and pepper, Peppa, excuse me. You know, like we're going to, we're going to have some fun. Like, this is not my show. Like, and they're chanting my name, Jeremy. And it was one of the most surreal moments I've ever had as a DJ and I understand why the chain smokers keep working. So <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a drug. Like it's not something you can get anywhere else. There's nothing no. that can add to that feeling of walking on stage and having people chant your name. Yeah. Um, and I believe there's footage of that on your Instagram page, right? I I've seen that footage I, and it gave me goosebumps seeing that. Yeah. I just got goosebumps now too. And it's, it is humbling and it is, I, again, I don't, I'm not the best DJ, but I know that like it makes me smile. And I think that's like my biggest asset. If I can like brag is like, I guarantee we're going to have fun and I'm not in like, I might have, I have the best transitions. I can't like all of these things. I know again, what I'm good at and what I'm not, but I know when I DJ, I DJ with love, no matter where the music comes from, if it gets sassy or not, but like it is fun and it is happy. Um, and I want everybody to feel that. Uh, yeah. If you are a uh, genuine person, and I feel like in the DJ world, if people are genuine with their craft, if even like music and stuff too, like if you make, and I'm using air quotes here, mistakes that the best DJs in the world don't make, but you are doing it from a place of, uh, authenticity is like you are then they forgive that stuff and they're like she's having a good time so i'm gonna have a good time and that's that's it who cares if you're doing technical stuff and if anybody's around you for more than 10 seconds they're gonna start smiling just because your personality 
exudes that and is, you're just a fun person to be around. And because of that, you do something called Motivation Mondays that always helps Thanks. me out. And that's <laughs> something that people follow you for as well too, um, to get motivated on Mondays. I know sometimes you're not motivated to do those Motivation Mondays, but you that's do true. it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And there's also something I know you don't want me to bring up, but I'm going to, but you have been voted. <laughs> I believe the Shepherd Press. Is that what it is? The Shepherd, Shepherd Press? Express. Express. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. The no, Shepherd it's okay. Express has voted you three years running best yeah. DJ in Milwaukee. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. And I know we've talked about it and I know like awards are awards and it's, you know, it's all subjective. Art is subjective, but yeah. somebody has to win it and you're the one that won it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Uh, I, will, I will brag about you and uh, <laughs> as much as I want. You don't have to take credit for it or not. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, you also. I'm lucky do. I don't have to go in a contest up against you. No, just, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't make people smile a lot when they're around me, just because I don't like people in general. But that's fine. That's, that's whole, not. True. That's a whole. That's a whole other podcast. I haven't stopped <laughs> smiling. Well, that's because that's who you are as a person, not me. <laughs> Um, but you also have your own podcast, uh, Dare to Be. Tell, uh, tell me a little bit more about that and how that became to be. I was a guest on your podcast. I, you were. I yeah. don't know. And that was, that was really fun. Um, so Dare to Be is somewhat of an overlying umbrella, I think, on that four-year mark when I wanted something more, kind of when you came into my world, um, that live entertainment, I guess, is like the mark I'm putting on that. I mm -hmm. wanted something bigger than myself. So Dare to Be started before Dare to Be Conversations, which is my podcast started. Um, but the podcast came out because um, I never had a space where I could say, hey, Jeremy, come to Milwaukee. Let's go back to back on a set and I can pay you what you deserve. Um, you know, you're going to have a great time and you're going to want to post it on your Instagram. Like I never have that space, right? Mm -hmm. Like that I, I always wanted it. I would love to have you come DJ with me at the pint sometime. I um, would be more than happy to, especially, <laughs> especially now I have all the time in the world. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was, so I think from a standpoint on having a space to say, Jeremy, your story inspires me. And I want to share that with people. That's what dare to be conversations is, is really taking people. The intro says it all. It's I, that people I cross paths with, which is difficult to say in everyday life that I think have inspiring stories. And from you being a professional DJ and producer and the amazing human you are to last week I had on my friend Devin, who has his own juicing company and shared his story on how literally juicing saved his life. Mm -hmm. And I think I believe we all have stories and I wanted to have a space to to do something to hopefully again add value to the world and mm -hmm. i think by sharing people's stories and hopefully inspiring just at least one person listening then i'm doing my job well your podcast inspired me to start this podcast even though i started this podcast yeah. a, a year ago that's finally now a real <laughs> thing. um but also with well, the podcast you. yes with the podcast you also have dare to be clothing dare to be like you said is a kind of an umbrella thing um yeah but you give back to your community with your just dare to be in general, but your dare to be clothing gives back to the community. And you did a book. Um, yeah. I want to say what about Bob, but that's the movie. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was about your dog and it was about different places in Milwaukee and the proceeds to that go to the homeless in Milwaukee, if I'm correct. You are correct. Thank you. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's a clothing line, I think dare, it's called dare to be. And if I may, I think it was, I wanted something that like just was different. And that, uh, that made sense to me. I didn't, feel comfortable taking like making a sweatshirt that just said dj shauna across mm -hmm. it because i when i like you have a dare to be hat and so hopefully like if and when you wear that hat people are like oh that's cool what is that mm -hmm. it's cool if my name doesn't come up but it's like oh it's dare to be it's my friend like it's to inspire like blah 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 right whatever it is means for you but i and the person, like, if you wore a DJ Shauna sweatshirt, maybe somebody would ask you, like, oh, what's that? And you're like, oh, it's a friend of mine that's a DJ. And they're like, all right. Like, and that was it, mm -hmm. kind of. So I wanted something that was, I guess, again, bigger than myself. And that's where the clothing line came from. And I'm not an artist, and it's a stick figure with a heart Which logo. Awesome. But yep. thank you. Thanks. I, I take a lot of pride in it. It's really, really grown on me. I love it a lot. Um, but the book that I publish, it's a kid's book. So there's like two sentences on each page. Um, it started because my stepdad almost three years ago passed away from stage four terminal cancer. And I had never grieved like that before in my life. I've never lost anybody like that. And so our family dog, her name was Bob. Mm -hmm. So Bob is unfortunately no longer with us anymore either but I started um, helping my mom out and walked Bob all throughout downtown Milwaukee and just started literally taking photos on my phone. Mm -hmm. And it snowballed into a book in honor of my late stepdad, Joe, and his name and all the proceeds go to that nonprofit that you mentioned, Key to Change, to help our chronically homeless families and individuals. And it still is the case right now, um, if I could plug that. Like right now Please. where all the money like it's it's what i've been doing some like virtual dance parties for trying to raise money last saturday we had a dance party raised almost 750 bucks for key to change which i'm wicked proud awesome. of um in like two hours which was kind of very humbling for me to like be a part of that to have people in this time like donate money mm -hmm. help people that i think need it more than ever and so all the proceeds again from the bob book sales go to key to change mke and there are people that are homeless, literally that like you and I are inside right now recording a podcast. Yeah. And there's people that very fortunate. Right. And I even had a conversation last week then too. Um, I did on my DJ page, which was eye opening for me understanding in the state of Wisconsin, if people are still expected to pay their rent, how many people are what they refer on the cusp of losing their housing. Oh yeah. Given the, the situation that we're dealing with this pandemic right now like um and so that's scary to me like the like and sad and so i just i want to i just want to do my part and so that's 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 what the book is doing hopefully yeah. well you're definitely doing your part um and if they want to know more about dare to be which i believe the book is on that site too what is the website for that thanks it's dare to be clothing.com and your personal website dj shauna yeah, thank you. Com. Love yep. it. Yes. Yeah. That's where I got thank you. Just I took notes for the show. I'm trying to be a professional. I took notes. I Thanks. went to all the websites, looked at all, make sure I got it all correct. All <laughs> oh man. Things. Yeah. Well, I appreciate um, it, Jeremy. Well, I know you're still gonna be doing some online stuff, and we are recording this on April sixth. 
Um, but it probably won't come out till next Monday. And I can't do the math in my head that quick, whatever that day is, but I'm sure you'll be doing it after that, but where can people see you doing your mixes online or if they want to follow you, obviously on social media and stuff. Thanks. It's all at DJ Shauna. Um, I've been pretty active on my Facebook page. That's been, um, a new found sort of favorite space during this time to communicate and feel a part of a, like a, a part of a community. And, um, I've been, again, like we talked about on the DJ side of things, that's where I've been live streaming muted videos, uh, at <laughs> DJ Shauna. Yeah. And then I love, I love Twitter a lot. I like how accessible it is. I like having conversations on there. I like learning and reading and, 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 you know, I like how quick it is. Um, and then Instagram is probably my other favorite at DJ Shauna. And, um, yeah, thanks. I appreciate awesome. that. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. You're one of my favorite people, period. Also one of my favorite people to talk to. Thank you. Feelings mutual. Hope everyone enjoyed my conversation with DJ Shauna. I have no doubt just listening to her voice brought a smile to your face. Please give her a follow online. You won't be disappointed. And for all of you up and coming DJs, I hope you took notes about how she approaches getting gigs and networking. As always, you can hit me up on social media with any questions you have about this podcast at DJ Rouche. That's DJ R-O-U-E-C-H-E. Or you can hit me up on the Beat Talks website at beattalks.com. Tune in next week as I'll be joined by DJ Jung of the Brooklyn Nets. Stay safe.